This is CliffCentral.com. This show contains adult content. If you find it offensive, please go to the CliffCentral.com website where there's a show for you. CliffCentral.com. It is Friday morning, sex talk with John T. Searle, and Tamar is with me, looking really pretty this morning. Thank you so much, John T. And radio, unscripted, and uncensored, and some really cool guests with us this morning. Dr. Ruth, Sister Ruth, and Sister. Dr. Eli. It sounds like it could be a band. <laughs> <laughs> like making really cool music. But you are, in a way, you're doing some really cool stuff. Sexy smarts. That's right. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And such important work as well. So we're going to talk all about that. WhatsApp us on 079-748-2090. This is all about sex education. Yes, sex education in South Africa. For the young'uns. So, you know, I was thinking about this, and one of the ways that you can judge a nation is by how we prepare our kids for life. Absolutely. And that's the fullness of life. And one of the most important aspects of life is education, relationship, and pleasure. And we get absolutely no education for that. Or what we do get is is totally fear-based. Absolutely. Well, well, that's something that has been a big issue with sex education mm-hmm. for decades. Um, and or what we yeah, what we actually do is we focus on sexuality and relationship education. Good. Hold so, that thought. <laughs> Go and do something first. Ninja sex, chocolate starfish, Twitter bag, Calipagian. Today's dirty dictionary word is thigmophiliac. Dirty dictionary word. So if you are a thigmophiliac, what are you? Let's Ruth, see if you're really smart. Any idea? Let's see if you're really That hasn't come up in my question base <laughs> of 50,000 questions from kids yet. So. No, no, no. That's not an excuse. <sighs> Maybe you're take, right. You've got to take a guess. What is a thigmophiliac? What do you think, Dr. Ian? No, no, no. One well, at a time. <laughs> <laughs> cannot pass the buck here. Any ideas what that might be? Spell it. T H I G. M O P H I L I A C. Um, somebody who's really turned on by thiggies. By thiggies. <laughs> so the good question then is what is a thiggy? <laughs> it's okay. like a thingy without like a, a thingy. N- <laughs> oh, okay. Eli, any idea what that might uh, be? No, I have absolutely no idea. Obviously, okay. philia meaning a love of, but mm-hmm. what is a thigmo? Oh. Okay, tomorrow? Ha ha! No. No, no. <laughs> you know, last time I, I failed badly. No, no. Give us a hint. Give us a hint. Yeah. So I'm rubbing my hands together. There's a hint. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. 
Okay, grabbing my hands together. People that love touch hands. There we go. A hand fetish. People who love being touched. Touched. There we go. Isn't it most of us? Well, I no, there are people who don't, but something yes, there are fetch on something happened that caused that. And also I don't think I that's think natural for us as humans. It depends who. The, like there's some, you know, some different personalities, right? right. That's yeah. um, people that really don't, that's not their love language. Mm. That's not their way they express themselves. Yeah, so They're much more up here. Up so thanks to Charlie for the word. Really, cool. really did he give it to you? He did. Smart and sexy, Charlie. <laughs> there we go. Thank oh, you yeah. so much. So tell us about Sexy Smarts. Where did it start? Well, I started with um, sex education about 20 years ago when okay. I was running a clinic um, for um, contraception and, and general health. And a lot of young people would Was come that to in me. South Africa? Yes. Okay. And um, I'm born and bred in South Africa. Um, Saubona to the Zulus and Kuyadach to the Afrikaners and Alice and Vatnoch. Um, so young people would come to me, um, and, um, ask questions. And I was preparing, um, to give a talk some at a, at a church, I think. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I need to find out what young people want to know. So the next time a grade 10 girl came in, um, I said, you know, what question would you ask if you could ask anything without judgment and get a clear mm. answer? Um, and she said immediately, can you get pregnant from oral sex? Mm. And um, I just looked at her and I said, absolutely not. It's part of the pizza system, not the pregnancy system. Um, and um, it allowed and opened a conversation on types of sexual touch in her um, relationship and, you know, how to communicate more about that. Um, so when we're, as professionals, sometimes we just say, you ask somebody if they're sexually active. Mm. Well, what does that mean? Mm. Um, so it, from then on, um, people started asking me to come to schools, and I would always say, give me the anonymous questions first. Um, so I had girls questions and they wanted to ask guys questions so I was running between a high school for girls and a high school for boys and taking over history classes and talking about sex um, so um, one girl wanted to know uh, no boys wanted to know was size important mm -hmm. so I asked the girls and I didn't give them any qualifiers and the answer was a guy must just be big enough to pick me up um so they That's had cool. absolutely no penal um, context mm. for that. And so it grew um, as I looked for creative ways to answer the questions and then provide um, information that is grounded in personhood and dignity and care, mm. care of self and then care in relationships mm. and care in the environment. Yahoo. Eli, where did you jump well, on the bandwagon? That's quite funny, actually, because it's a wonderful story. Because Ruth was getting to the point last year where health issues were interfering with the amount of work that she was able mm. to do, and um, she had just recently jo joined our church and came through to our Bible study, which mm -hmm. we do at our house, and was saying, 
everybody, please pray for me. I need to find somebody to help me with this work. And I was sitting there in the background, waving my hands, going, pick me, pick me. <laughs> I could do this. Pick me. Um, and, and at the time I was actually lecturing on gender and sexuality at university level. Okay. So this has always been, I love speaking to people. Oh. It's, it's an absolute passion of mine. Mm. Um, and specifically anything that is healthcare related where I can educate both the patient and the healthcare provider. Mm. So this ended up being a really good thing. And Ruth had a kid who was in the, um, trans side or gender non-conforming mm-hmm. side of the spectrum at one of the schools and was like, Eli, can you come do the gender and sexuality section? And I said, yes, of course. And halfway through, Ruth was like, I just, I can't do the STI thing. Can mm. you do the STI thing? And I was like, of course, bugs are my thing. I'm a doctor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, the anonymous questions that I'd got had shown this this um, child was present in the class, and other children mm. had questions about it. Sure. So this the the whole issue of our the questions young people have for me is critically important. Um, so that because um, they they pick up things in movies, sure, pop culture on the internet. John D. always the, says what plastic, is the blue waffle? plastic porn, you know, in Hollywood or, you know, uh, plas- all the, do you oh. know what? If you want a couple of dirty dictionary words, go we to. have heard them all. Really? Ask a teenager. Oh, but yeah. they go for the skunky stuff. They, they go for the, you know, what is it? What is the term to come all over her face? Like all the stuff that is um, around porn, right? A lot of the porn yeah. words. Uh, one of them was blue waffles. What is that? Well, that Jonty, I'll give you. Uh, there we go, Jonty. What are blue waffles? Well, blue waffles. Oh That's God, a totally blue balls. new one for me. Oh great, we got our yes, we are so smart. So now got we've you. each got one point. Yes. So um, what is blue balls? What are blue waffles. Blue it's waffles. Wimbledon at Cliff Central. Yeah. One all. Yeah. One all. One love. Yeah, go for it. Blue waffles is a word that was used to describe genital warts at one point. There okay. was a photo that had been manipulated. Yeah. And um. Genital warts on a skin with a higher melanin content mm. have a more bluish tint, and somebody had changed the 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 saturation and the hue mm. a little bit mm. and made it look more blue, and said, "Oh my goodness, there's this new STI around, which is going okay. to make it make everybody's genitals now turn blue," mm. and kids were terrified. Wow. And then we looked it up and we were like, "No, this is actually just genital warts, and mm. it's been around forever." You know what's so important with this? There are so many things that are. But I sat literally two days ago in my office with a young couple. And she was brought up in a pretty conservative religious family. But this was the email that I got afterwards, and it's so appropriate for what we were talking about. This morning, all I feel is fear, and I have no idea where this is coming from. Well, I have some idea, and I think that for some reason I've been conditioned to be deathly afraid of my sexuality. How Mm. fucked is that? And this is a young woman who is in a relationship with somebody who has enormous love for her, and they would really like to to make this work. And she has all the sexual patterning and all the sexual conditioning that's totally fear-based and not about pleasure. So one of the biggest things for me is that we need to be teaching young people that sex is about pleasure, 
not only about how not to get pregnant or HIV or any of the other STIs, but how you can actually have fulfilling experiences and fulfilling relationships. So our program that we give, especially to like the grade seven and grade mm. eight learners. So they are how old? Usually about 12, early 13, puberty, yeah. 14, those early puberty years. Probably about, it's a two day course. Mm-hmm. And for the f- entire first day, we cover who I am, how I make my decisions, um, ethical decision making, uh, communication skills, relationship skills. Wow. And then for the last, Hour, we do pregnancy on day one, and STIs and contraception is done as a practical at the end of day two. So, so that fear-based side of things, um, we do not focus on any of these these fear models or this medicalized model. I wonder what will happen if children will develop emotional skills, better emotional skills, and then if they can hear a story. Of a woman that will say, a girl, or, you know, a girl would say, I got pregnant. It was really difficult to do the abortion. I, sh- I wish I wouldn't, but not from fear, not like, you should be careful and your uterus is going to be, you know, yeah, exactly. completely damaged after and you'll never be pregnant again and all these things. So just imagine that kids would percept, because they have such a high emotional intelligence, usually, if they're not being blocked off at home or, you know, by other bullying children. Just to try to sympathize with other kids that went through tough experiences, but not through fear. That would have been so different. Yeah, and so so many of the questions I get um, bring up these issues of fear, um, especially when they're talking about questions like masturbation. Mm. Is it is it bad? Yeah, you because know, God is said it, so. You know, so um, these um, the the shame and and silence and um, Guilt are kind of all embedded. I think we just literally embedded, we, and it's not just um, one particular culture that has no. it to be no, around it's, sexuality. It's, it is it's across it is the spectrum. A, absolutely, wow. no question. And so, if we can, um, I have three words: know, own, and protect your body. And and in in knowing and owning it, that's where understanding who you are in as a sexual being, your sexual identity. Um, having a positive attitude toward your body esteem and then learning that, you know, erections are perfectly normal. Mm. You don't have to feel guilty about wet dreams. You know, girls do, you know, um, become moist when they think about something sexy and it's perfectly normal. It's not judgment or something which is bad. And better choices Um, will come from knowing and owning. And, and we, we, we help them understand, Mm. um, uh, awareness of arousal and and all the questions that they're asking, but it's put in context so that they can own their development and uh, sexuality positively. And the feedback says, "I'm so glad I'm normal. I feel less ashamed of who I am. You know, so I can talk about this." Yes. There's a fascinating thing <clears throat> that exists, um, and it exists a lot amongst educators, <clears throat> which is it's. It's nonsensical. It doesn't make any sense, which is that the more you talk about sex, the more people are want to going are going to want to have sex. And the opposite is true because mm. the more information people have, the better choices they make. And actually, they become sexually active later rather than earlier. Well, there was actually research done on that. And... Yeah. 
access to information about sexuality and relationship education, access to condoms, Mm. access to being able to get the things that you need in order Mm. to make healthy choices doesn't make kids want to have sex sooner. It just means that the kids who are going to have sex, we're always going to have sex, Mm. are able to make healthier choices about the sex that they have. So now one of the things we do is actually explain to them that sex is a spectrum and it's not just a penis and a vagina. Mm. And we talk about the sex menu and included in that is we say a mouth can go on a vagina, a mouth can go on a penis, a mouth can go on anus. Um, and, and we will then hands actually, the hands mm. can be used and we will explain that there's outer body touching, there's penetrative touching, and all of these make up sex. Hugging and kissing are these precursors of touch Mm. that we use to form intimate bonds. And when we look at it that way, we are able to tell kids, if you are not ready for penetrative sex, you can negotiate with your partner other types of touch that are sexy, that are erotic, Mm -hmm. that are fun, that are pleasurable, but you are also able to have your own boundary. And if you're able to say, I don't want to have penetrative sex, but I am willing to have my touch hands above the yeah, waist, exactly. touch above the waist yeah. or let's keep our clothing on or let's make sure that we're never alone in a room together, you know, and, and be able to actually verbalize what their boundaries are. And all this tremendous fear that builds up inside and the pressure when you're alone in the room and if there's self-esteem issues. There's also there it goes. a lot of communication in what you're teaching. Mm. Very much so. And that's one of the biggest things is that we don't know how to communicate about that's it true. and to communicate in a relationship. And with every single couple I work with, it's almost the first thing that we do is how to communicate and a way to communicate. But look where the communication issues come from. Yeah. There's been a silence around sex yeah. and it's handed down from generation to generation. Parents aren't able to talk to their kids about mm. sex. Kids aren't be able to talk to each other about sex. Nobody is able to have these conversations. Mm. And when we start in a session, you'll find that the kids are struggling to articulate themselves. Sure. But after an entire day of us saying penis, 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 vagina, 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 vulva, 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 vulva anal sex, this, that, and the next mm. thing, they're able to verbalize what it is that's going on in their own heads without that fear of being judged for what they're being, what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So when you go into a school, what from the kids? I would imagine that you get a, an incredibly positive response. What kind of response from parents, from teachers? Well, I've had amazing responses from um, teachers who are also parents, because mm. quite often the schools I go to, um, the children, some of the participants will be um, educators' children. So they hear it and then they can give mm. feedback. And I was at one school where um, one of the teachers said, um, you know, after the grade seven class with, with our son last year, my son and his father went out and had the most um, profound um, talk about um, sexuality and puberty. Mm. And um, so it opens a door. Um, for constructive conversations, mm. um, and I, what what is what I love about this phase of development is, you know, as parents we teach our children to eat, we don't deny them hunger, and 
we let the peas fall on the floor and they use their hands and we laugh and clean it up. And it's, and then they, they graduate to cutlery with a Mm. big long menu. Um, and we don't teach children how to understand sexual hunger and energy as a positive, um, part of who they are. That sexual fantasy, your own sexual fantasy is richer than, than, you know, the porn identity. Mm. Um, and it gives them permission to be sexual beings, um, without, um, some, and try and do our best to, to limit that, um, shameful idea of their, their embodiment and their, their sexual, um, desires. That's a um, beautiful analogy. I really like that. It's really um, so, we would never dream of, uh, and then teaching your children to eat is also teaching what is good nutrition and what is going to be abusive for your mm-hmm. body. Um, and the same is true. Sex, sexuality can be expressed in hugely positive and positive enriching ways when we engage with it mindfully mm-hmm. and respectfully and, um, and not, um, just, um, without Mindfulness and mm. understanding our bodies. Um, and so for me, this is critical because it's these negative messages, um, or the silences that, um, make it difficult then for a child to negotiate, um, a healthy path, mm. um, with regard to sexuality. And then they get sucked into peer conversations and the, the porn conversations or, um, Conversations from the peers are the only input they have because parents are silenced. So when a spontaneous question arises, they poo-poo it or they ignore it or change the topic. Sure. And they don't have, know how to sit down and have a structured conversation. Mm. And structured conversations do need to happen. Mm. And we can facilitate those. There's a, I use an extended analogy of food, particularly when we talk, which is, there's junk food sex and there's fast food sex and there's comfort food sex and there's gourmet sex. Right. And they're all kind of associated with, with food. It's a wonderful way to, it's a wonderful analogy because food and sex are so often linked mm. in terms of a hunger, in terms of body image, in terms of knowledge, um, and passion. Yeah. And, so and we use the sushi. <laughs> we, we use a, we use a, a an analogy of, when we talk about the sex menu mm. is that some people will look at the menu and go, you gross sushi. Mm. I don't ever want to t- taste it. I have no need to touch this. Sure. I don't even want to put a piece in my mouth. And you know what? If that's how you feel, you don't have to eat sushi. There are other mm. things on the menu. Exactly. And exactly like that, there are people who are going to have their own things about sex. Some of them are going to seem appealing. Some of them are going to seem very unappealing and nobody has to do anything that they don't want to. However, it's on the menu and we can look at it and go, and then some people may be like, Oh, look, there's sushi. I'm curious about sushi. Let me try one piece, put it in my mouth. Oh no, no, I definitely don't like that. 
And guess what? They never have to have another piece of sushi. Mm. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) What happens if you love it? And what's the word for sushi on a naked body, which is a beautiful art form? I've gone totally blank on that. As I said, it will come back. Is it where they lie out like a platter and you put everything on it? And then yes, yeah, it's a real art form. Um, There is a specific word for it. We've had it as a dirty dictionary word. That's well, it's cooler that you actually have done it in your events. So that's much cooler. Yeah, we've done it in a (laughs) couple of. Events with sushi, <laughs> with the, dessert. The ladies actually—that uh, was their fantasy to be uh, a flat, uh, yeah, to serve on their beautiful body. It was amazing. So we've got a, a question from one of our listeners, which is: What are the most common questions asked by teenagers of both genders? Oh wow! Which of the fifteen thousand yes. should we pick? Um, I suppose it, <laughs> well, there, it, it there depends must be on some that get it depends on what character ca- category you're looking at because okay. there's body questions, there's mm. sex questions, there's uh, I mean really the mm. types of questions that'll be asked depends on the development of the kid and where they are in understanding so their ages, body. I'm sure would, yes. Would, would, would so so initially they they tend to be a lot of body focused questions. Um, body lot, focused in terms of give us an example. Uh, okay. At what age? Will people begin puberty? Um, yeah, sperm questions um, and uh, menstru- menstrual questions. Vaginal Girl, oh. discharge questions. Normal vaginal discharge. Um, a lot of young women think that they've caught a sexually transmitted disease because they see this on their underwear and no one has ever explained what it is. Mm. And it's like they are petrified. Um, a lot of masturbation questions. Um from boys um, and girls? Boys and girls, more from boys. Um, how do girls get horny? Yes. Uh, that one. So why, why do, do boys be, get horny? Yeah. yeah. And, um, erections, um, you know, that, and the, the, the important thing is that erections do not always mean somebody is sexually aroused. Mm. So, um, erections that are, are, um, spontaneous mm-hmm. erections and, sure. and, yeah. So, um, we, we answer all those then um a lot of questions around um when is it um right the right time to have sex we are getting in the last few years i have had more anal sex questions like probably than in the last five years in fact years, that yeah. would be a good comparison for us to look at over a series of and that's and a porn mentality that well, you well also you'll the see anal sex do the anal sex questions come from an increase in, in exposure to porn? Well, you'll see in the language that gets used, mm. sometimes that language can be quite violent. So yeah. they'll so say things like, porn-based. so, so they'll say things like, um, do women enjoy it when you hit it from behind? Yeah, hit oh, it. Okay. And, um, yeah. What is finger blasting? And you know, like these, these tend to be quite, very evocative words, oh. mm. um, and 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 you know, you know um, sort of hitting somebody, uh, you know, slapping, yeah. grabbing. Uh, mm. They were grabbing. Everybody was grabbing butts and grabbing everything. And I, de- in my education, I don't ever deny kids the language they use if I cannot come up with something different that is better. Mm. And I was thinking about this because these guys had been talking about their, their grabbing of everything. And I was like, oh, crap, what are we going to do about this? And 
I had my sexy smarts um, on the board, and my first one was care. So I have care, confidence, citizenship, and critique. All right. And I actually looked and I thought, thought, if I take the S from sexy, the S from smarts, and put it behind care, I get caress. Caress. Ah, Caress. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I said, guys, here's another word Mm. we can use. Um, to just think about, um, and, and then we have that sensuality menu that, that where I look at erogenous zones and all of the different things they can do for but dating these are, games. These are, these wow. are, these are all uh, parts of the body that are not covered by a, a swimming, a swimming costume. Oh. So, so they can leave those areas. The boobs. So, so yeah. they leave the and boobs the and the genitals, genitals covered and then they will have, um, the back of the knee or the tummy or the neck, neck or the shoulder or the earlobe. And then there's an action. So touch, tickle, kiss, mm. caress, Blow. um, add chocolate sauce. So there's a whole person <laughs> involved, not just genitals and sex because it yes. tends to be very objectified very often. And, and yeah. the, the porn model is very objectified. Yes. Nayato yeah. Mori is the. Nayato Mori. Sushi. Yes. Sushi Thank you, Charlie. Nayato Mori. John T, in, in, in your sessions, if you find, um, when, when sex activity is just gently focused mm. and not the whole body sure. mindfully involved, it becomes sort of more like plumbing. Yeah. And it's um, very boring. Yeah. It's <laughs> terribly <laughs> boring. You're um, so on the bottom. And it's very, there. it's very goal oriented. Yeah, um, and it becomes very limited. So how a lot many of, rounds? How many, you yeah. know, I yeah. asked, I asked a group of, of, um, bishops from the African independent churches. Oh, wow. Um, how, how long a soccer game is. Okay. Then. And how many goals do you need for it to be mm-hmm. a good game? Um, and they really thought that one nil or nil nil, um, could actually be a very good game. Mm. And I said, well, s- well, sex is a bit like that. Mm. Um, and yeah. I also use a piano. I play the piano. So I, s- I say, you know, sexual activity starts out with people who don't know each other. Like, um, we've got the same notes and we, we, we try and play twinkle, twinkle little stars and it kind of, messes up a little bit and mm. then we as you get to know it you can expand it so then i expand that whole tune and then we have a glissando mm. for orgasm and one orgasms before the other <laughs> and that's okay you yeah. know you know um, what's fascinating is <clears throat> essentially people are looking for skills at every age in their life and when we don't get them when we're young, the search continues. Because a lot of my work is exactly the same in teaching a range of possibilities that are so much about touch that includes the whole body. And very often the genital part of it is the smallest. You know, when we teach sensual yeah. massage weekends, it's about the whole body. And mm. the genital part is quite small. Well, yeah. that's the reality yeah. of the sexual development of human beings, mm. which is why the actual sex bit of what we teach yeah. is in the minority. And if you don't teach kids about sex, where are they going to learn it from? Oh. They go to their peers and they get misinformation from their peers. And nowadays we have cell phones and each of these cell phones are connected to the internet. Mm. And if you type in to your cell phone, 
any sexual term, what are you going to find? Horrible yeah. things. And, and <laughs> You're going to find pornography. And the pornography, research that not, I've not read something is, real. is current exposure to porn starts at about age 11, 11 and a mm, half. Yeah. That's and that's where they're getting the education from. And one of, one of our colleagues did uh, research on this and was saying by the age of 13, most kids, the majority of kids have ex- been exposed to pornography in mm. some sort, sure. some form or another. Sure. What, I, what I am concerned about, um, and this is something that is behind my thinking as I work with young people, is um, so many people have been sexually abused mm. or um, where sexual energy has been um, distorted in, in, in some way early in life. Um, and how um, how does you know what we do? How can that um, bring these things to light early? Um, because some um, survivors of molestation might struggle to identify between affectionate touch, their needs mm. for affection, and what um, activity that is sexually um, um, expressed, um, and. So this for me is really important and, and boys and men are sexually abused, um, probably more frequently than we, um, realize because of the lack of reporting. Yeah. And that's something that is very, very hidden. Right. Yeah. For me, the connection comes where the heart gets involved. Right. That's where it starts to change, where sex becomes more about the heart than about the body. And how can we, which is, is, is great in theory, and that's what we as adults who have had years of mindfulness, except those of us who have forgot what sex is. No, no, I'm just joking. Um, um, we can but, help you there. We can help you. <laughs> no, she's right. Um, I'm with you. But, but the thing is, there, they are, there are peaks of, of hormones. Mm. Um, I don't like, um, the, the term, um, what do adults say about the hormones are are raging? raging. Yeah, hormones never rage; they're yeah. just signals. Um, but they are profoundly genitally focused, yeah. in, in, and and some children might have more dominant sexual scripting right from young. They comforted themselves by touching their genitals mm. as babies, opposed from sucking their thumb, for example. Yeah. Um, so. Sexuality and expressions of sex might be more important for them. Let's get back to. I think there's a there's a big difference in that between sex and love and understanding the different experiences and the intention of the experiences. Right. So when it's kind of of really bodily or hormonally driven, the intention of that is more about an orgasm for the release of that. Yeah, because that settles the body chemistry for the the children to learn that this is. Part of my body and then and mindfully, the, how does this translate and, into partner activity? Yeah. And the ways of, uh, of doing that, that if it's just the release I'm looking for, then self pleasuring. Well, we do, we do a do a, a do large, a large section <clears throat> on personal and private masturbation. And we mm. always say, this is what you do by personal yourself. And private as personal. opposed to public and. <laughs> well, yes, because when you're looking at boys mm. in a locker room, sometimes these behaviors end up being put into a public sphere where they are not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So personal and private, we always say this is this is something that you do alone to figure out how your own body works mm. and for your own benefit and tension release, it's not a team sport. Yeah. 
because as soon as it's a team sport, now we're talking about a partnered like, activity. Like the Mari Biscuit Games from exactly. boarding schools and things. And, and did the other person who is now exposed to this consent to this mm. act? So we do lots on consent mm. and we do lots on masturbation. And I actually, from young, um, recommend that boys start practicing with condoms when they masturbate because it will give them an opportunity to figure out how condoms work mm. before they're in that hot situation with a partner. And now they must open a condom for the first time and try to get it on an erect penis. Also, the sensation is mm. very different. It's better to get to mm. understanding the, the sensation. It gets better with time, men report. You know, it does when you get used to it, you use the right condom, you get to the understanding where exactly to put it. So this is very, very natural. Mm. The question is, how much motivation do you find in those children to actually... To actually be, you know, to really communicate with your teachings. Do you hear and you get feedback that people, the children actually do it? Because I find people in Jonti's practice very lazy. <laughs> Myself as well, you know, go and figure out now when you're 30 or 40 or 50 how to touch your body. And unless there's a real incentive when I'm sent home to do masturbation classes from, <laughs> from Jonti's practice, I'm starting to say, Ugh, you know what, there's no incentive. So what, how do the kids react? Well, the kids are already in that space. They already are curious and Their they want to. Their hormones are, are there. They're, they're, they have that massive hormone influx mm. and, and they do have that curiosity. So if we are able to influence how they start with these behaviors right from the beginning, then that lazy having to go at 40, 50, 60 years old and do homework becomes part of their normal sexual development. Mm. I want to believe that. So a lot that. of that is, is, because <clears throat> we work in terms of patterns. That's how we work as humans. So every time mm -hmm. you brush your teeth, you brush your teeth in the same way. <clears throat> you bath or shower, you wash in the same way. <clears throat> so sexually, we tend to do exactly the same thing. If we can create more positive patterns from early sexual experiences, right. those become reinforced and then those can expand. And, and if, kids if we, do have that yeah. as a natural, um, as you say, like learning to eat. Mm. Where the food goes all over So we can eat without even looking at what we're doing Because we know the pattern so well Yeah And if mm. the patterns like with masturbation are Let's just get it on And as mm. fast as we can Then later on In partnered sexual activity When you are trying to slow down Or be more present mm. to what's going on sure. Then you've developed a pattern and sometimes it's really fast and furious, get it done so mm. that I can say, you know, 10 Hail Marys and, and won't ever do it again, which is ridiculous. Mm. Um, rather than just saying, slow down, be able to own your body, um, and then, um, in partnered activity, cause you're, you're, you, that is like a rehearsal mm. for what you are going to say and do with somebody else. So sure. you're actually really covering the full spectrum of, of sex education as I understand it, which very much includes the idea of sensuality and making love as opposed to just kind of goal-oriented orgasm sex. Well, Jonti, here's the funny thing about that. Our entire curriculum is based on what kids are asking. Hmm. Everything that we teach is based on the questions that teens Not have. Not what you think kids should know. Not what we think kids should know. What kids have asked hmm. themselves about relationships, about sexuality. So now what does this tell you about the development of sexuality when it is uninterfered with, hmm. when it doesn't have that shame and all these things projected on it. Mm. If you allow people to ve develop sexually in a organic and holistic manner, 
look at the kind of sex education that you are able to give when you ask, answer the actual questions that teens have. What's and then they're, they're able to integrate mm. because the problems with adult when they're, when they're not able to integrate, mm. then they splinter off, um, in various ways. So, um, that, that for me is, is really important as a, as a person connects with the person. So in South Africa, we have an incredible range of schools, um, that really cross an enormous amount of cultural or financial, right. um, roads. Where do you guys do your stuff? We do our stuff primarily at schools that some are government schools, mm-hmm. some um, are mainly private that um, yeah. can afford um, to to have us. But yeah. our goal is actually to be able to expand. Um, when I was working by myself, I would say to kids, "What how what do you think we need to do with mm. sexy smarts um, for the bettering of our country?" Um, and a lot of them said. Get this into um, the this, the other schools, mm-hmm. the underprivileged areas, um, under-resourced areas, and some of the the kids would take the Sexy Smarts book and give it to an LO teacher in their community mm-hmm. so that they would have a resource to work with. And, and this is where, hopefully, with with New Blood and Doctor Eli on board. I'm getting dragged into the technological mm. age like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> because um, we want you to get to more places. The next thing you're going to be trying state-of-the-art sex toys, Ruth. Well, <laughs> uh, we, we talk about sex this toys. Yeah. You have a very um, funny rabbit here walking around somewhere. That's uh, not a sex toy at all. No, no, that's Raggedy Andy, one of four of the Persona dolls that we use. When we do sex ed, because quite often kids will ask about sex positions. They want to know what is doggy style, Mm. what are, what is all, and we'll use these, which are little dolls, which Mm. are humanoid, but they aren't personal. Yeah. Human looking So then we can put one behind the other And say okay So when people talk about doggy style One partner is in the front And one is in the mm. behind sure. And then usually if the person behind has a penis Then the penis could either go into the anus Or into the vagina If the receptor partner has a vagina And that is what is commonly known as doggy style Because yeah. there, there's different information You need for those different types of yeah. sexual activity And we use them like to talk about how we're socialized when we're born, wah, out we come. Yeah. You know, um, so it's. Boys it, wear blue, girls wear pink, boys play with. Uh, not with anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. We are not forced into that. We, yeah. We've even, we've got, we've got one little bunny who is, his name is Caden and he wears pink. Okay. Um, and he's our trance bunny. Hmm. Good. Um, and we have, uh, um, Barb, Barb, Barb doesn't have a foot. She was in a car accident and, and she lost her foot. So we have all of our little bunnies have their own little narrative that come with them. So, so they so really get picked out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They get the Different. porn, some right. fight. You give porn fight. So not every boobs need to be, you know, double, <laughs> double E and not, you know, the waist need to be like that. And everything needs to be in order or in a color or in a specific mm-hmm. orientation. Let's well, say. also, I mean, like when we do the gender and sexuality section, I do cover things like intersex, which is never spoken about. Oh, sure. We speak about uh, transgender issues. We speak about uh, 
different types of relationships. So we talk about asexuality, we talk about demisexuality, we talk about all of these words that are part of the sexuality and gender spectrum, mm. and we contextualize it as a part of human diversity. Do children come to you and also tell you about trauma they've experienced, or uh, you know, reveal things from the past? Yeah, and and this is why whichever school I go to, I make sure that. Um, I know who the 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 people are um, that a child can go to because at the end of certain topics we'll say if you need more information or have a concern about this, then you want to see Mr. So and So or whatever. And I've had even a teacher who, um, after discussing sexual abuse and the difficulties with affection and and sexual relationships, came up to me and she said, "Now I know why." I'm having such a hard time with relationships. Mm. And, I mean, she was just in tears. Um, and this was just in a power break. And I was like, okay, let's have a little hug <laughs> and, and a little bit of, um, do you know what, to, where to go and where to get support now? And then, you know, back to puberty. All right. Um, now we're on to penises and erections. Uh, you know, so. But that's so, where our patterning gets set is so young for sex, for pleasure, for relationships. And all that we do is we just play the story out in the various aspects of our lives until we become aware of it and get the tools to change it. And kids model their behavior on their parents. Yeah, that's what they see. Or on their significant – what are they seeing? What are they hearing? Brothers, sisters. So often I sit and and hear people, for example, whose parents never touched each other. Yeah. So they don't know how to do that. Parents who never fought in front of their kids, so they don't know how to handle conflict. They don't know how to handle anger in a relationship because those are the the models that we get. And we do t- speak, Eli, about friendships, don't we? And, and yes. The way that what does so, it mean? So what what is friendship? Well, often what we do is the way we treat our friends becomes the model that we will use in our relationships later. Okay. So if you look at how you treat your friends and how you interact with your friends, are you a jealous type of friend? Um, we have conversations about stealing friends, you know, because this is a very big thing, this ownership. Yes. This is my friend and you're not allowed to hang out with that person. Okay. And and if there has been a uh, – this person is now hanging out with another person, then there's that betrayal and how dare you. And then we start looking at how these behaviors – Become the model for the relationships mm. and the romantic relationships. How long is your course? Usually two days. Wow, so you cover that in two days. <laughs> and that's one we, of the we most get the kids to do. We oh. say, all right, the, we get flip charts. What builds up relationships? Friendships, friendships and what breaks down? Yeah. Um, and then we look at these, and then with the adults, we'll say, which of these um, do you um, appreciate most mm. in your partner? And it's the same. Ten times out of ten, there will be something that they have um, kindness or care or being able to respect, respect or, or, or just um, spend time, um, yes. intentional time. Yes. So that's amazingly important because one of the biggest things is when we have an emotional context – and are able to communicate about emotions, we can deal with so many of these issues. And also there's this gender stereotype Mm. of that boys and men don't experience emotions. Mm. And what is amazing when you actually do these exercises with kids, these pre-puberty or early puberty cusp kids, 
is that they are able to emotionally express themselves so well yeah. because they haven't had that beat out of them by society yet. Yeah. Sure. And when you look at these building up relationships and breaking down relationships, the boys and the girls, if you put the charts up next to each other, they're almost exactly yeah. the same. Wow. Yeah. I gave a talk in Pretoria this week, a, <clears throat> a workshop on expanded orgasm, and somebody at some point said, women are so complex and the men are so simple. And I said, <laughs> I want to tell you that male sexuality and male emotion is so much more complex than women. Because the biggest part of that is first you you have to find it. And you have to get out of that stifling. Yeah, you have and to go digging so deep and get rid of all these years of patterning and conditioning to find an emotional being and connect with it. And because women are more in touch with that, and it's a very generalized statement, and it it makes it just a little bit easier because there's the acknowledgement of the emotion. However, when it comes to women, they have that suppression of their sexual selves. Yeah. So As they have the email. emotional involvement, yeah. but their sexual self, they have to go digging and searching yeah. for that. And, and it's still, permissions. Yeah, yeah, and it's still, it's one of the biggest things. At a talk in Cape Town a while ago, that was, that came up so much from everybody there when we spoke about certain ideas. All they were looking for was permission. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and this is when, when we do ethical decision making, we ask three questions. Is it right? Is it good? And is it wise? And those three together, um, actually help the child then to have an interior dialogue about decisions and choices because nobody's going to be there waving fingers and, and, and judgment and rules don't really help them at all. Um, so that model, um, helps them to just um, decide for themselves um, what would be a course of action. And we don't could. know, especially as young people and as young women, I think more than men, the choices that young women actually do have. Yes. So, for example, I know so many women who have become mothers and never knew that they had a choice either not to or to do that later. Yes. Right. Just the social pressure. Even today says in so many communities that you're not complete as a woman mm -hmm. until you have either a, a life partner in a committed relationship or you have children. Right. To or say, both. <laughs> yeah, and to say that maybe I don't and maybe that's not for me or I can choose that or maybe I can actually choose that later mm -hmm. because there's this whole life that they would like to live. Well, we do. And, we do have a whole freedom. discussion about the disproportionate burden of childcare on uh, teenage mm. women, especially when they get to the point where they are expected to drop out of school to look after kids mm. or where they are not getting any income in from the father of the mm. baby and then are having to either work or their, their family are having to support the child. So it ends up being a complex discussion. And we have a lot of discussions about kind of gender roles and stereotypes and social expectations. Mm. And what you're saying about what options there are. Mm. Often when we go to a boys' school, we will do an entire section on contraception, on the pill, on the uh, injection, on the IUD, on the implant. Why? Because their partners aren't getting the sex ed. Mm. So when they have these conversations with their partners, they are the ones that transfer this knowledge over to their partners and are able to then say, listen, we actually have contraceptive options before we start having sex. And it's not just a condom. And we'll often say if, if clothes are coming off, 
people have to be on some sort mm. of contraceptive. If there's yeah. a person who can get pregnant, somebody needs to be on contraception. Mm. And those mm. options are a big part of what we do is right. giving kids options about what kind of touch they want, how to have conversations that might be difficult or hard. What co- options do they have to keep themselves safe? What options do they have as far as contraception is concerned? I mean, like that's really what we so want really kids to know. It really is all about choice and being able to exercise. Do you get children that are very involved in the conversations and children that are very held back? Or do Always. you see what do you try to get everybody to kind of uh, contribute? It depends on how big the group is. Okay. Um, you know, but the what I have found through all of my years is that kids want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. They're usually, desperate it, to talk like about it. It's like the hands are waving. I say, remember a rule, hands down until we're at the end, and then I'll say, are there any questions? Mm-hmm. Because usually we're answering the frequently the questions. asked questions. Is there an increase in, in same-sex questions and same-sex interests? Um, I don't know that there's been that many more questions. There, there could be, but there is definitely more interest, and we are very intentional about the way that we we educate around this um, because of some of the problems in society. Um, because if you can't own yourself in all of your sexual diversity, and all of us are sexually diverse, mm. um, then. Um, it's going to cause problems um, and the risk um, that people have is great. And also what I try to do is I try to normalize same-sex attraction as part of figuring out who you are. Mm. So in the States there was that study that was done where they gave a whole bunch of kids, early teens, a survey to fill out where they could rate themselves either 0 to 10, 0 being completely heterosexual and to 10 being completely homosexual and less than 50% of the kids rated themselves as completely heterosexual oh, sure. which means that, that there research, yeah. is a massive amount of same sex interest impulse understanding however only 5 to 10% of the population of the world is the same are, are involved in mm. same sex relationships or lgbti well lgbtqa plus um <laughs> And so then we actually have a look at, so there's, there's this interest, there's this understanding and there's this impulse, but it does not necessarily translate to long-term same-sex relationships. So what does that tell us? It's a normal part of sexual development and it's not something to be ashamed mm. of. It's not something to be disgusted of and it's not something to be worried that you're experiencing. It's actually normal. Mm. And these things may or may not actually be an indicator of your future sexuality. Mm. Mm. Where do people get more information about your program? Uh, they can contact us through Facebook. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, Sexy Smarts. They can contact us um, through our website We're busy developing a new website It should be up within the next couple of weeks um, So now it's Sister Ruth hey? For yeah. now it's sisterruth.co.za But in the next couple of weeks Sexysmarts.co.za will be up as well and Cool uh, As part of this Are you going to develop online resources Because that's going to make more available to more kids they have Well a book. That, that is the idea We do have a book Which is available for purchase from, Through Facebook You can literally mm-hmm. just send us a little message And we will is this, the book is for parents? Yeah. It's for everyone. Everybody. So the information in it is for teens. It's for 
parents. It's for other educators. There are discussion points in it for people who want to use this as a resource to actually have further conversations. So it's really, it's for everyone. It's been set up as a comprehensive little resource book. And so I've, I've taken um, some of the inf- key information out and put it into a pamphlet. four-page pamphlet mm-hmm. that will be freely downloadable. Um, so that will at least give you um, first tools aid. for decision making, how to talk about touch and the law, because you know the law changed mm. um, recently um, with regard to um, age consent, consent. the age of consent okay. um, issues. So that is on the on the pamphlet. Mm. Too. What is the age of so consent now? Sixteen. Sixteen. Mm. However, um, the the sexual contact between people aged twelve to sixteen has been decriminalized. Which means that that acknowledges that there is this gray area of sexual exploration, which previously would have allowed um, the teen who got pregnant to be uh, Maybe persecuted and, 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 and uh, prosecuted and actually be given a criminal record as a rapist oh, for so. statutory rape. So there was this very even though the, the law was supposed to protect children and protect young people, it was having this unexpected consequence. Mm-hmm. So. And they couldn't the, access healthcare. So the, the, the revised, um, law is, is really helpful. It, it's so decriminalizing, but also with a preamble mm-hmm. for the responsibility of adults to educate and, um, um, discourage children from early sexual activity and then there's a buffer um 16 and 17 um where the close in age two-year gap is applicable so um 16 with 14 year old but not 13 Mm. or lower um and then 17 with 15 and once they both get to 16 they're over the age of consent Mm. so thank you for being here um if we can get involved further um if there's yeah. anything that we can add, if this platform can help when you're doing bigger events and things, and if I could offer anything um, in some way, I'd really love to be involved. I think it's such important work, and thank you for coming to share with us. Thank we really, you, John. What a blessing. Really <laughs> really thank you so much. And we wish you all so much pleasure. This is CliffCentral.com.